Turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians 5, verse 22, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking at each of the ingredients here, and this morning um, we're going to pick up one more, but it's, uh, it might seem a little strange to some of you depending on your translation, so let me clear that up real quick and then we'll, we'll get to it. The, the ingredient I want to look at this morning is the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and my translation says kindness. Some of you will look at your Bible and it will say gentleness. Uh, Don't be confused. Don't let it bother you too much. Uh, If I keep reading, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Some translations have put gentleness where kindness is and uh, in the place of gentleness where I've got gentleness they put meekness in the ingredients we don't see any of these ingredients that seem to be synonyms one with another they're all something unique Uh, so I don't want to treat kindness and gentleness or kindness and meekness as synonyms either This morning I want to look at kindness, and then on another week we'll look at gentleness or meekness, which is what some of your translations have at this point. So um, uh, that's how I'm going to cover it, just so you know, and so that you're not confused as to why I keep talking about kindness this morning, and I should, in your opinion, be talking about meekness. Uh, I'll get to that. We'll get to that uh, in due order. This morning, let's look at kindness. Fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Uh, according to surveys, 75% of Americans, our people, believe the world is more rude, more angry, uh, more selfish than the day you were born. I mean, most of you probably would say, yeah. I would say we're losing on the kindness end of things. It seems that road rage is rampant. Uh, I was, you know, I, I get sometimes driving more fearful of the person behind me than the person in front of me. I was going up Greenville Street the other day, and the uh, is it the trolley or the Anderson bus? I'm not sure what we call it, but it was in front of me, and it stopped, and then it stopped again, and then it stopped again, and the person behind me, this lady was livid, like, ha, ha, you know, just kept throwing up her, her hands. I said, I hope she just doesn't try to plow through here, you know, and... But, you know, that's the world we're in right now. And people, I mean, go to Walmart and see people fight in the line for, to save five minutes to get in front of somebody else. Or go to some of our sports arenas and just see parents just screaming and fussing and fighting because their kid didn't get to play the right number of minutes or the right position or they didn't win or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. And it just goes on and on and on. So I don't think it's a stretch for us to all just jump on and say, yeah, we need, we need more kindness. Now, when people research this stuff to try to find out, well, how do we develop kindness? A lot of people have said, well, we've got to tone down our lives. We're just too busy. Other people say, you know, we're just too selfish. Or we're just too cluttered. We're just, we don't have space anymore. There's all kind of reasons people come up with for, for a lack of kindness. It's interesting to me, I've never read research that connects kindness with the Spirit of God. And the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. 
And if, when you make that connection, you can see a spiritual problem that needs to be addressed, not just a clutter problem or a selfish problem or whatever. Um, and so we have, a, we, we have the benefit of the Spirit of God in us to produce this. And especially in our world, this is a way where we can shine more brightly. We, we're, we can not only be known for our love, we can be known for our kindness in a world that's extremely rude and angry and selfish. So let's think about kindness this morning and how we can develop it. I want to turn your attention to Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus. It's a story where the people are extremely unkind. Might not have been the way you heard it in uh, Sunday school growing up. Uh, you hear about Zacchaeus, the wee little man, and sometimes miss one of the things that's going on here. So let me read Luke 19, uh, the story of Zacchaeus. Chapter 19, verse 1 says, he, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, and he was rich, a.k.a. that means he's the least liked person in town, okay? He collects taxes, and he collects too much. He's he's a thief. He's made himself rich of collecting more taxes than he should be collecting. So he's, he's, he's got friends, but he buys his friends with his riches. Um, and the other people don't like him very much. Verse 3, Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. All right, so the, the most important significant figure that's ever come to town is Jesus. And he's about to come down the street, and Zacchaeus says, you know, i, I got to see this. Uh, man, he's the most, most significant thing that's ever happened in my lifetime. And to make sure he's in on the, the picture, he climbs a tree. Uh, when Jesus, verse 5, came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now, think about that for a minute. That's extremely significant. Uh, Jesus is showing Zacchaeus honor. Jesus is the most significant person who's ever come. And if, if you can have the most significant person over to your house, you've been singled out as a person that's being exalted and lifted up and honored. Now, let's suppose... When Jesus saw Zacchaeus in the tree, that he hadn't said these words, let's change the words to something like this. Oh, there's Zacchaeus. He's your tax collector. I can't believe, Zacchaeus, you turn widows and orphans out on the street for taxes. You are a despicable human being. There is no way you can escape the damnation of hell. The crowd would have probably said, hey, hey, he's getting his now. Uh-huh, come on, preach it, amen. That's what they would have liked. That's not what they get. Notice the crowd, verse 7, when they saw it, when they saw how Jesus honored Zacchaeus, when they saw it, notice, they all began to grumble. 
They did not like. They're complaining. They're angry. Jesus did not do what they wanted him to do. He's gone to, it says he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus is despicable. And Jesus is showing him the ultimate kindness by exalting him, by honoring him. Text goes on, verse 8, Zacchaeus stopped, said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. That's repentance. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'll give it back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. How did he do it? Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Something we need to know about God, his character. And it will be the fruit in our lives. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? and tolerance, and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Do you think lightly of the kindness of God? See, the the crowd around Zacchaeus, they thought lightly of the kindness of God. They, every one of them, grumbled at the kindness of God. They grumbled at the kindness of God, not getting that the kindness of God leads to repentance. Jesus said, what, you don't get this? I came to seek and to save lost people, to seek and to save sinners. How do you win sinners? You do so through kindness. You don't condemn them. You show them honor. You build them up. You're kind towards them. Zacchaeus probably had never been treated kindly. As soon as Jesus did that, I mean, it's like, as soon as Jesus walks through the door, Zacchaeus is repenting, repenting, repenting. Lord, I'm yours. I will will give up half of what I own. Just, Just give it away to the poor. And if I've defrauded people, obviously I have. I'll pay it back four times as much. I mean, that's an about face. He's living for himself, and he sees Jesus' kindness, and he's ready to live for Jesus and to follow Jesus. That needs to be in our lives, that, that we, we give to people. Do we want to see the lost saved? Do we want to see our kids saved at VBS? I mean, we, we need to pour into them kindness. We need to give to the sinner this fruit that the Spirit works in the people of God, and it's a fruit of kindness. It should be the testimony of our church, any church, that we're, we're displaying a fresh kindness day after day, the kindness that God is working in us, a kindness that's able to look at sinners and 
to cover their sins, to forgive their sins, um, and to build them up and to honor them. Now, there's an imitation of kindness going on, and, and we need to recognize that so that we don't get caught up in it. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 31 through 35. You, you know what the imitation is. It's spelled out here. It's, it's, you, if you're being kind to get something for yourself, that's really it. You're not really being kind. That's an imitation. That's fake. If, if you're, you're, you're only doing something, you're only giving something because you're going to get more back. Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, uh, Luke 6, 31, says, Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. So the whole passage there is reminding us of the character of God to be kind to evil and ungrateful men. Don't don't give Jesus, don't give me that fake stuff where you're kind because you want to get back. Or you're kind just as long as you don't lose. So, no, the, the kindness that I'm talking about, Jesus says, is a kindness to evil and ungrateful. They don't give you back even any thanks. Evil and ungrateful people. It's, it's a kindness that... Um, the reason Christians can do it and non-Christians can't is because we have the power and the ability by the Holy Spirit to crucify ourselves, to deny ourselves. Then we can give without self being the priority. Us getting back and us not losing. We can just give. We can share. Um, and we need to do that. You know, sometimes the kindness in our own home is just really fake. It's an imitation. We only give to our husbands because we want our husbands to give us something. We only give to our wives because we want our wives to give us something. We only give to our children because we want a certain product from our children. Or we only give to our parents obedience because we want something back. We want the keys. You know, there's so many ways we, we're fake and we're imitation. Um, we share the gospel sometimes. But when this person really needs to be saved, why? Because they're irritating me, you know? We even share the gospel to get back something for ourselves. It amazes me, the churches now that manipulate visitors come in and say, you know, we need to get you to do this. We'll even give you gifts to be baptized and to join uh, because that exalts us. We get to, to count memberships and baptisms uh, that's manipulation that's not genuine kindness um, it amazes me that the churches that do that the only reason you count in the bible is because you should have a ruling elder body that oversees the church they need to know who they're to be praying for and we need to know who we obey and it's so many churches want to count baptisms and memberships and they don't even have elders to 
to give the number to. So what do they do with the number? They just use it to exalt themselves. A lot of people see through that and say, you know, that's just deceptive. That's not kindness. That's just manipulation. The church does it, and individuals in the church do it. We do it. So we need to repent. We need to get back to the fruit of the Spirit, which is giving and to others and building others up, expecting absolutely nothing in return. Just to demonstrate the love of God. Um, that's grace. That's what God calls us to uh, in the fruit of the Spirit. It's ideal when it's, it's without self. Now, it's interesting. As I was trying to figure this out, how is kindness, you know, say different from meekness and gentleness, which I'll get to in a few weeks. I, I looked up every place in the Bible that the word fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit is kindness. I looked up every place that was used. Uh, the Greek word is Christosis. That uh, is, it's only used ten times. I love it when words are only used five or ten times. It makes it easy. I don't have to look up so many references. When I find a word that's you know three hundred, like oh, this is going to take me forever. But this one's only used ten times. So you look at all ten times that it's used, and it was interesting to me. Nine out of ten, it was translated as kindness. Everywhere, every translation I looked in. Uh, but one time, it's not translated as kindness. It's not translated that way. And when I found it, it, did, it showed me something I hadn't... It showed what I'm talking about, but it's, it was interesting. Look at it with me. It's Romans chapter 3, verse 12. You'll be surprised that this is the one because you've heard this verse all your life and never knew it was the same word as kindness. Romans 3, verse 12... It says, all have turned aside. Together they've become useless. And here's the, the phrase we've, we've heard so much. There's none who does good, no, not one. Not even one. The word Greek, in the Greek there for kindness is good. That's translated here is good. So we could translate it, there is none doing kindness. Not even one. We, there's, this verse is controversial. Non-Christians say, how can it be that there, no one does good? I do good. You do good. What Paul's trying to show here in Romans is, is, is our hearts. There is no one doing kindness. And how I've just defined it is consistent now with this passage. They've translated, meaning there's no one who is crucifying self. There's no one who completely denies himself and exalts and lifts up God. No one is, is doing that. You can't do that. It's impossible to do that without regeneration. And that's what this verse is all about. We don't come being kind to God. We have to be changed before we think about exalting God and lifting up God and lifting up others. This is not done except by the Spirit of God producing a fruit. And the fruit is kindness. The world imitates kindness. They imitate it because they can't change their hearts. They don't know how to be transformed into selflessness. The Spirit must work that in us and we can't really give out kindness until we can become selfless individuals what we're giving out is 
imitation, not the regenerated fruit of God uh, by His Spirit. Um, So kindness is service to others, service to God, and all for His glory. It's service to, to others. It's service to God. It's all for God's glory. It's, it's something only Christians can demonstrate. And it's wonderful to receive. And it leads sinners to repentance. Because none of us, we, we're overwhelmed. The, the good news, I'm overwhelmed that God, who can see all of my sin, can penetrate my heart and see all of my motives. I, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed that He would choose to be kind. Instead of just zap me into the pits of hell where I deserve. And others are impressed when we can demonstrate that kind of kindness to them. Knowing that they've, they've stolen from us, they've cheated us, they've lied to us, they've deceived us. And still extend to them gifts of kindness. It's overwhelming. Which is why it is used by God to lead people to repent and say, I I want some of that. How how does that get into me? Only by spiritual regeneration. If that's your need this morning and you say, man, I I really need that. I I haven't seen that anywhere. You get it by saying, Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Transform me uh, from this selfish, sinful, wicked, ungrateful person that I am. Uh, that's what Zacchaeus did. He was, he was ungrateful. He was not kind. See, when Jesus came in, all of that went away. And he begins to immediately demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Um, so evaluate your, your attitude, your heart, your behavior. Are we, are we giving out the fruit of the Spirit? Are we we given to people honor. We're giving them our time. We're giving them our resources. I, I don't just hate to see people alone. I hate to see them alone because I, I want everybody to receive the affections of God. But I, I hate s- sitting alone because with the fruit of the Spirit, I. I, I I'm compelled to invest in others. Sometimes we don't want to be around people. The fruit is, I I, I must be around people. I must give. I must build up and honor. And that's the fruit of the Spirit kindness. Uh, It's not grumbling. It's not complaining. You think about that crowd that was following Jesus in Zacchaeus town, all grumbling, all complaining. Philippians 2 reminds us as the church, we are not those who grumble and complain. Because why? The Spirit of God is within us, and the Spirit of God conforms us to Christ, and Christ is not a grumbler or a complainer. He's one who's giving out kindness. Um, God's blessed us with such a sweet church. I was telling somebody in the Walmart uh, grocery store the other day said that they haven't visited here in over 10 years. They said, how's your church going? You know, I visited there a while back, and I said, yeah. I said, you know, I, I bet I haven't heard any grumbling and complaining in seven years. And they just stopped, and, you know, they were getting groceries off. They stopped in their track and just 
looked at me like I was joking. I said, no joke. They said, really? I said, how is it supposed to be? We have such a sweet church. The Spirit of God is working in us. And we want to be kind to one another. We want to be kind to us. So why are you preaching this? Because we all need to grow. None of us are perfect. We've all messed this up. So we've got things to do. We won't want to get off track. And we've got to continue distinguishing ourselves as those who are filled with God's spirits and demonstrating that to others. Um, look at Philippians 2, verse 3 through 5. A key ingredient, as I've been trying to say in other words, is, is humility. And it's here. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Do, doing nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. See, that's investing in others. Have, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. It was Christ's way to, to invest in others, to, to not be looking for what he was going to get, to lower himself to whatever station others are in so that he could give. It's becoming selfless. And that's the fruit. That's, that's kindness. You remember when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet over in John 13? You remember in the crowd is Judas, the betrayer? Jesus washes his feet too. That's, that's kindness. I mean, it's, it's time for those with concealed weapons permits to pull them out and shoot Judas, you know. And Jesus is washing feet of this despicable person. That's kindness. You see it over and over. Can you, can you remember any place in the Bible where Jesus is dealing with petty sins? He's bringing them up. He's harping on them. I couldn't think of one single place. You think of all the sin Jesus knows about. He could harp on. He could condemn for. You just don't see him doing that. You see unbelievable kindness. Now, he's, he's strong on sin. He's serious. He preaches the sermon, repent and believe. He's strong on sin, and yet he has to constantly not harp on it, or we couldn't tolerate it. Instead, he harps on kindness, and he's constantly kind to us. And when you realize that, it, it should overwhelm you and lead you to him to be saved and to be changed. Well, I want to leave you with a challenge to really be committed to bearing the fruit of kindness. And I'm going to give it to you from Joshua chapter 2. Verse 14, when I saw it here, it just, I said, man, it's a pretty strong statement. These are the spies that are spying out Jericho, and they're meeting with Rahab the harlot. And you remember Rahab uh, hides the spies uh, under the corn stalks in her house on the rooftop, and the Roman soldiers come, and she lies to them to protect the spies protecting who she now considers to be her family, her neighbor, regeneration having occurred in Rahab's heart. 
And the spies respond to all of that. Verse 14 of chapter 2 of Joshua. So the men say, said to her, Our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. I mean, you keep protecting us, keep us from getting caught. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. The spies are basically saying to Rahab, because you're, you're one of us, and you've treated us with kindness. We see that fruit. We're making a commitment, a promise right now. When God gives us the land, we will die before we would fail to treat you kindly. It's quite a commitment. And I think, have, have, you, have you demonstrated that kind of commitment to your spouse, your kids, your family, the people you work with? Say, like, you can test me now and see if this is not true. Jesus is living in me. The Spirit of God is producing God's fruit in me. You can test and see whether I will treat you right or not. I will die before I would treat you unkind. I will be faithful. I will be kind to you. Because that is now my nature. That's the fruit you're going to see come out of my life. Make that commitment to your spouse. I will never treat you unkind. I'm going to treat you kind. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to consider you more important than myself. And I'm going to give to your honor to build you up, to protect and provide. Make that commitment to your parents. Make that commitment to one another. Make that commitment to the people you work with, that you're bearing the fruit of kindness. And watch God transform, purge out the evil, replacing it with His kindness through you as His vessel. Now, as we take the Lord's Supper this morning... Let me share one more verse. I got time. That's exciting. Uh, look at Titus. It's really not one more verse. It's about five more verses. But they're all together. Titus chapter 3. And this is for us to just kind of focus on as we take the Lord's Supper together. Titus 3, beginning at verse 1. Remind them. We need this reminder because we, we like to push ourselves forward. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Stop right there. Think about the list I have just read. That's an incredible list of sin. And God says, remind them, this is who you were. This is what you fall back into. This is what you're always needing to work on coming out of. 
You know, when you get tired and slip, this is where you end up. So remind them, you need to be submissive. I placed authority over you. You need to learn constantly submission to authority, ultimately to the authority of God's Word. But this is, this is something we don't like to do. We like to be in charge. It talks about lust in a minute. Lust is wanting to own and control someone, something. It's this passion to be in charge and to rule. He starts off, I want you to be submissive to rule, to rulers. Ready for every good deed. Just looking for an opportunity to invest yourself in ministry. To malign no one. You don't put people down. You're peaceable. You don't... You're not divisive, peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration, considering everybody else more important than yourself. Wow. Um, not being foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, malice, envy. The reason I want to focus just a little minute there, this is what God has to overlook to see and be kind. If, if, if Jesus wants to zap me into the pits of hell. I've committed all of this. I'm guilty. When we take the Lord's Supper, remember first, Christ died for sinners. He died because we're sinners. And He's willing to cover all of this sin. Wow. Unbelievable. He knows about our sin. And he's still willing to come to us. But every time you take the Lord's Supper, the first ingredient is to be grateful, to be thankful that he is willing to remove my sin. And then second, verse 4, but when, catch this, when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Nothing more beautiful than that. Seeing nothing on the earth but ungrateful, deceived, lustful, envy, maligning, disobedient, unsubmissive, seeing nothing but that, but when God showed up, when God showed up, kindness appeared. And when kindness appeared in us, it was because He richly poured out in us His Spirit through Christ regenerating us, taking our dead, selfish, sinful being and bringing death from death life to life, giving us the life of His Spirit. We are saved because Christ was kind. As we take, be grateful for His kindness. And remember, we take this with one another. Christ is our one bread. His blood is shed for, for all of us. Let us be kind to one another. Let us return kindness 
to God. Let's pray for, for grateful hearts that God will give us this time as worship. And then change us so that we're more like Christ. We're nurtured. This is a real means of grace. That we, we get something out of it that changes us. And, and we live in the power and fullness of the Spirit being kind as He has been kind to us. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the Lord's Supper. Thank you for the bread and the wine. Thank you for how it remembers, reminds us Christ died for us. Let us proclaim his death as we eat and as we drink. And let us live his life as we are nourished by his body and by his blood. May the kindness flow through our veins, the kindness of God. Just as this bread and wine comes into us, may it be impossible to get it out. May we be the fruit bearers of the Spirit's work. Father, use this time as we come to just commune with you, to ask forgiveness for our sins and ask for transformation into the life of Christ. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We distribute these elements to you, for those of you who've here for the first time. You don't have to take them. It's voluntary. As God's church, we take them to proclaim God's death, to to give us nourishment, to give us grace, to live for Him. But if you're not one of God's people or you're not sure you've dealt with your sin, don't take it. Just let it pass by because you don't want to be caught up in doing what's fake and imitation. This is the real deal for us and we want it to be the same for you. So um, make sure you understand or or just discreetly pass it by. Um, let it be what it's meant to be. God's table of nourishment for his people. And proclamation of Christ's death and life for us. I ask the elders and deacons to come forward. And we will distribute these to you. The Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed. Took bread as I ministering in his name. Take this bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body, it's broken for you. Take ye and eat it in remembrance of me. Then after he had given them the bread, he also gave them the cup. And he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's shed for many for the forgiveness of sin. So drink ye all of it in remembrance of me.